That's what this giant Mike Riley reminds me of. <laughs> but way, way less sexy. <laughs> and that is a perfect segue into this, the 13th episode of the Belligerent Thieves podcast. We've done a baker's dozen of these now. Uh, most of the haters said we couldn't make it, that it was a, a fruitless endeavor. But we proved all the critics wrong, all None of them. No one said we couldn't make it. <laughs> this is basically <laughs> what our friendship is anyway. Drinking beers, talking beeves, hanging with the beaver fam, and we are sitting here with this 13th episode, sitting at 0-1. But hey, it's a long season, and there is a lot of football uh, left to be played. Uh, Benny and I had a great time uh, in Purdue Benny officially survives the first away game since your first bachelor party, which has a very infamous story at Husky Stadium that we will not tell on this episode of the podcast. That's a teaser for a future episode. Uh, but Benny, you are back <laughs> home. You're wearing a button up shirt, which is interesting and you look great. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I thought I was going to be hurting a lot more uh, after the weekend, but I sweated it out on the Peloton, but yeah, it was a great time. I would say that the hospitality that, that we had there at, in West, West Lafayette was, was really nice. I thrive off of, of the shit talking from home fans when I'm an away fan. Uh, and we certainly had our fair share of that, but I felt like overall it was a fun time uh, with some good people. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was very Midwestern. Yeah, there was there was that one when we were we were at the OSU uh, Alumni Association party and shout out to the um, OSU Alumni Association for putting on a great event and to uh, Casey Farm, who we met uh, from the association. And uh, we're about to walk to the stadium and we were, were standing outside literally for 10 seconds and some clearly, you know, how you can just tell when a kid is a freshman, like they just have that freshman fucking energy. This kid just comes up. It's like kind of, he's in a group of like eight people and none of his friends say anything. He just like looks at we ages, uh, old school Benny crew neck and just goes it's a tough fucking look, bro. And we're like, Hey, thanks for having us in West Lafayette. We're happy to be here. It's just like tough fucking look. And he's like, sort of like stomps off and clumsy ass fashion. Like he wanted, he wanted to make it seem like he was down to fight, but wasn't actually down to fight. And I was like, ooh, that that was the first Purdue fan we met today. This could get bad. Uh, but he was really the only only one. We gave people the same kind of warm welcome when we were freshmen. Let's oh. not let's not say we were above that. I'm not oh. saying we we're above that. I'm just saying it was an interesting first person to interact <laughs> with the second we stepped out of a very pro Oregon State event. It was the second we stepped out. And right. I was confused as to which part he was saying was a tough look. <laughs> I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I've put on 30 pounds since COVID started. I'm in the middle of growing out my hair, and it's in a right. very awkward state. I'm smoking a cigarette in West Lafayette, Indiana. What part of me is putting off that this is not a tough look? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we uh, we met up with our, our friend, uh, friend of the pod, Travis Miller, who joined us on the uh, Purdue preview episode, and we got a, a couple beers with Travis. It was uh, a little late in the tailgate session then, so we couldn't stick around for too long. But Travis, thank you for the beer, and uh, thank you for giving us a crew of Purdue fans to walk the rest of the way to the stadium with, because I think it helped our credibility. Uh, <laughs> but also joining us in this first episode after the first game is uh, J.P. Bertram, who is finally podcasting again from his basement after... Uh, it seemed like you were on uh, vacation for about 87 days there. But Give or take. Unless that's a 
saved Zoom background of, <laughs> of, of your basement, which I assume you use to make work, make sure work thinks that you're <laughs> just at home where you normally work. Uh, it looks like you are back home. Uh, how are you doing, dude? I'm home. I'm good. I'm doing great, actually. It's nice to be back. It was okay watching the Beavers play from the Sierra Foothills, but I'm really looking forward to being home in Portland, surrounded by other Beaver fans watching them this weekend and looking even more forward to being a racer in about 10 days. Nice. Yeah, we are. We are planning to be at the Idaho game. And there is a rumor circulating that all three of us might be at the Idaho game. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if flights have been booked, but (laughs) someone might be flying in on that. Friday. (laughs) Only one of us needs to fly. So a a and and a flight may be booked tonight. We'll see. We'll see how many beers are had on this episode that might go into Mm. it. Let's keep this going for a long time. So Terry has to drink a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But just to be clear, if I do fly in, I'm flying in for the women's soccer game that Friday against North Dakota because the women's soccer team is six and oh, baby. Beave up. Beave up. Beave up. It's in the schedule of this episode. We'll talk about that later. Hey, can I give you even more incentive to show up? Always. JP is drinking out of a belligerent bees koozie. Yeah, the only the only way I can get a belligerent Woo-hoo. bees koozie is for me to fly to Oregon because once upon a time I was supposed to get some stickers in the mail to hand out to listeners in Purdue, which would have been helpful, and they never showed up. So I guess I do. I gave fly. Benny like thirty stickers. I know, and I forgot them. But what <laughs> yeah, I realized, yeah, did did you think he wasn't gonna forget, JP? <laughs> What I realized was that uh, away games are really sort of the perfect place to hand those stickers out. That right. that would have been like that tailgate would have been great to hand those stickers out. And I think Absolutely. we could have gotten, yeah, word out Absolutely. a little bit better. Absolutely. And we're not missed opportunity. My bad. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we were also joined by a friend of the pod, A.A. Ron Balake, also known as Aaron Stevens, who is a a proud Indiana University grad and fucking hates Purdue. So not only did we come to Purdue in enemy colors of the away team we were, they were playing, uh, we brought a Hoosier with us to the party. And he joined us on Saturday. Benny and I got on on Friday. We're walking around town. And it's like, oh my God, this place is so cute. This is like a really nice town. Everyone's so kind to us. We, we got some good food. We got some good beers. We're having a really good time. And then Steven shows up on Saturday morning and is just so hateful about he's just the, the whole place he was Which, just itching to talk so much shit about purdue so, and west lafayette <laughs> as a town it was, it was so very fun. funny but i i think that helped we needed we needed something like that to bring some competitive energy if we couldn't bring other actual oregon state alum alumni with us we had to bring one who's married to an oregon state alumnus mm-hmm. and went to Purdue's our tribal school himself. So shout out to you, Aaron. Uh, the Chopham shirt is on us. You don't have to send that back to me, but JP, please send me another Chopham shirt. <laughs> as, <laughs> as the one I had now resides in Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. Uh, go IU. Thanks. Thanks for coming up, Stevens. That was a great time. Um, I am also, I'm, I'm doing good. I had, it was a long weekend. I'm, I'm very tired. Uh, I know it looks like that I'm in my, uh, you know, home office podcasting from where I normally do, but I'm actually still in the line for beer at Ross Aid Memorial stadium. It's, <laughs> 
it's been four four days now and i i just i i live here now um i will be uh i can't remember if travis and purdue plays notre dame at home but if they do i will be in attendance as i have not left <laughs> I, I they say i'm gonna get my bud light in another hour but i'm not sure i believe them <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna be too much of a hater on this episode but dude so like lines where I was, there were like seven people deep and somehow took the same length of time as this. There is 70 people. I don't want to be that cliche asshole who's like griping about all this stuff at a football game, especially since we're coming off a year where we couldn't go to football games, but somehow it was the least efficient beer dispensing place I've ever found myself in. And yeah, they decided to have the one beer that changes color when it's cold with Coors Light, right? The mountains yeah. turn blue when it's cold. <laughs> you would think if they can't keep their beer cold, they would not have the one beer that signifies that it's not cold when they give it to you. No, it was cold. No, it just <laughs> had it turquoise mountains. Exactly. Oh, it was not. Terry, well, what are you? What are you drinking now? Then I mean, let's should let's start into this. Here. All right, so. Yeah. Um, and this is this is why I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good because you know I as you know JP I was I'm generally upset the moments after a loss, which is mm -hmm. I think we should try podcasting immediately after a game sometime just for just for the emotional swings. It's maybe let's try it, let's do it after a win because it'll just be fun. <laughs> I calmed down. Had a fun, I dropped Benny off. I had a fun day in Chicago. I was driving home through the state of Wisconsin. Listening to the damn podcast, gathering my thoughts. I got lunch at Culver's. Shout out Culver's, Midwestern gluttony at its finest. Picked up a case of Spotted Cow by New Glarus Brewing Company. Not because Spotted Cow is that great of a beer, but it's just a beer you can only get in Wisconsin. And New Glarus actually has better beers, in my opinion, than Spotted Cow. But Spotted Cow has become their flagship. And it's just kind of, you know, a rite of passage when you live in Minnesota or any of the other surrounding states. It's a cow that's like looking like it's jumping over the moon from that folktale, but the moon is the state of Wisconsin. It's fine. I picked up a case on my way to get Benny. Benny, you had a few of them in West Lafayette. It's a good beer. It's a good yeah. beer. Yeah. But there are people here who like literally will cross the border to get spotted cow. And I'm just like, there's better beers than that at any liquor store. But I picked up a case. It felt good. Uh, and didn't drink any of them until I came home. <laughs> Disclaimer, I was not drinking and driving through the state of Wisconsin to make myself feel better. Uh, so that's yeah, legal I, there though. That is, it's not, that part is not legal. Just about every other drinking law doesn't exist there, but drinking and driving is not legal. Full disclaimer, as someone who drives through Wisconsin a lot, I can confirm that. So I am drinking a spotted cow by uh, new Glarus brewing co. And it's, you know, it's lovely. It's nice. I'm enjoying it. JP. How about you? What are, what are, what are you spit on? So you guys saw the news today about block 15. We did yeah. see the news. I assumed we were going to get to it. Well, let's get to it now. Coincidentally, my Tavor delivery arrived today. One of those beers was from other half brewing. Oh, so I am enjoying a drippy gems IPA from other half brewing. Shout out Sam Richardson, Oregon state alumni who partnered with Block 15 uh, to create a beer, uh, the Brooklyn chapter, which is part of the Alumni Club series. If other half or Block 15 are listening, sponsor the pod. We have a beer segment. 
We have I mean, a beer it's segment. natural. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, this is a this is a phenomenal IPA. Um, I gave it a I gave it a 4.1 out of five on untapped, but uh it's very um it, it's very sippable and and kind of like a you know your your typical IPA, but done very, very well. Nice. So yeah, if you're listening, Black 15 or other half, we we want to talk. We want to talk. You can slide into RDMs, we can slide into yours. Either way, either way, either way is fine. Either way, whichever. We won't. We weren't even that serious about Ninkasi. That's why you know Ben and JP started talking shit very quickly. But we will not do that this time around. We're actually all no, lovely no, no. people who yeah. <laughs> want to have it's a, only love for anything beads for sure. Shout out to Oregon State's fermentation science program. I can only imagine the most dropped major in the country uh, for a bunch of kids who get to school thinking they're gonna major in beer. And get to say I major in beer, and then realize there's there's quite a bit of science that goes on here. <laughs> so I, I I was I was I had a class with a kid who was doing that one time. We were doing a class project for a totally unrelated class, but he was walking me through like what their curriculum is, and I understood zero percent of what he was saying to me. So it's it's pretty intense. Those students work their asses off, and you know have a it's a very very lofty ambition, but they do a great job. Uh, Betty, is this another night where you're blessing us with your mom's favorite beer? It's not only my mom's favorite beer, but the founder uh, of uh, the Shoots Brewery, like we said last week, went to the University of Utah, which are, were they the only Pac-12 team to win this last weekend? Oregon won. Mm. Hey, U- UCLA well, beat LSU. UCLA won. Okay, yeah. UCLA yeah. won. Uh, Oregon Col- won, Colorado but won, like right? that wasn't really a win. No. Right? It looked bad. They were losing to Fresno State in the fourth quarter. So, like, it, but it it was a it win, was a win. In, on my ESPN app. Yes, it shows one win in the win. It is, call it's a Oregon, w. but it's not USC won. But Arizona State won. Utah <laughs> did win as well. <laughs> Half the conference. There was one team in the Pac-12 North to win, and it was the one team we didn't want to win. But yeah. Utah won and several other teams. So sc- scroll a little further down on your scores app, Benny, and you'll see there was more than one Pac-12 win uh, this weekend. Um, but yeah, so shout out to, to the Utah, to Utes football. Yeah. And, and to Shoots founder, Gary Fish, who has come up on several podcast episodes. That's right. Because we don't do research on the things we talk about. And that's why the word belligerent is in the title. Don't say we didn't tell you. I will add this, uh, that this is the last Black Butte Porter in the batch that I have. So a little episode 14 teaser. That's right. Listeners, get ready. It's about to get switched up next week. Nice. Yeah. You should get something Hawaiian because we're playing Hawaii. Oh, like, that won't that like won't Kona? be hard to find at all. Big Kona. <laughs> oh, yeah, get Kona. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So yeah. that's easy. And then that's the thing. So with uh, shout out to Tomer Pivik, the the man, the myth, the legend who hosts the Golden Gopher tailgate I go to when the Gophers are playing at home here in Minneapolis. He always uh, rocks a koozie of the opposing team for each tailgate. And I think it's because he was at, he was in a, at an away game like six or seven years ago. And someone from a fan of another team just gave him a koozie and he didn't have one, but it was that team's logo. And then he just started putting the koozie of whatever team the Gophers are playing on his beer. And so now his koozie collection is just like 60 college football teams. <laughs> so that's cool. 
if you were to, you know, get a local beer and then, you know, that, you know, brings us to our opponent, you know, it's a communal, communal thing. We're, we're all here to, to have fun. Um, someone who did not have fun and just speaking of the PAC 12 North, uh, and this gets into maybe one of my reasons for optimism later, because our whole side of the conference kind of looked awful. <laughs> we mentioned my dear friend, Joe, maybe on the pod last. Oh week. man. Joe is my friend from Minneapolis who went to the university of Washington. I've become very good friends with his fellow Husky alums. I've, I've traveled to games with them just because they're a fun group to hang out with. And they're all just having a tough time, just a really bad week. And guess they all, all bought tickets and flights to Michigan <laughs> for Washington at Michigan this <laughs> upcoming week. And just none of them are excited about it. And I'm not even willing to write Washington off. I think this becomes a huge trap game for Michigan now, but also can you imagine, like, remember when we lost to Sacramento state, which is almost even worse because Montana's actually a really good FCS team. But I remember losing to Sacramento state and just being like, all right, well, I'm never excited about football again because of this. <laughs> It just takes all the wind out of your sails. That's a rough, rough way to start a season. Not ideal. Well, and especially, <laughs> especially since they were supposed to be contending for the Pac-12 North title. It's not like they were going in expecting to be 0-12 like they were a couple of years right. ago. Yeah, Terry, in, the, in our predictions podcast last episode, you said that when we go face Washington, they will be ranked. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. Yes, I did say that. So that brings me into, so that part was wrong. Clearly, even <laughs> I think is that's the sixth game. So yeah, even if Washington runs the table up until they play Oregon State, I doubt they'll be ranked. Uh, but so that part of my prediction was wrong. Yeah, that's, you know, but not the biggest, biggest misstep um, in the prediction game. We were meeting some, uh, we were meeting some great listeners and, um, uh, making friends all across, you know, uh, West Lafayette when we were there last week and the listeners we did meet were very eager to talk to Benny and give Benny props for his 15 and 0 perfect season, <laughs> national championship season prediction. And it died a devastating death. The first of the first of many predictions to fall apart here on the belligerent beast podcast, but that's it. It's over JP. Please play five seconds of Goodbye, My Lover by James Blunt. I cannot live without you. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. <laughs> I have never heard but that song. You have. You, you'll recognize it. You're recognizing it now as you're listening to the pod. But <laughs> Benny, so but some of the some of the listeners we met, you know, after even after the loss, they're like, hey, it's just 14 and one now. So what I think, even though we didn't put any money or wager on it, is that it's a running bet. All of the predictions that we made, I'm at eight and four. JP's at nine and four. You're at 15 and zero, and whoever's yeah. closest wins some kind of prize. And you, you're, so you're still in it. Yeah. <laughs> the team goes 14 and one, you're closest. Just for the record, we all picked Oregon State to win this game too. It wasn't did, just yeah. me. And, yeah, and yeah. I flip-flopped. I should have stuck with my guns. You should have stuck with your guns. No. But, but yeah, I mean, like it kind of feels like, I am in a March Madness pick'em uh, or uh, bracket uh, uh, pool, and the person or the school that I picked to win the championship just lost in the first round. 
that's sort of what it feels like. But, um, you know, I, I think that like, and we'll get into it more later on in the podcast, but I think that there were a lot of positives to take away from the game. Um, I was expecting there to be a ton of upsets in college football this weekend and a ton of the teams that were supposed to look good, look really bad, which, um, I think was the case. It's tough to come back and play in front of a crowd when no one on the team has done that in, you know, uh, 20 months. So, um, yeah. I, I, I think that, uh, we had, uh, one of our listeners, Zach, uh, who we actually met, um, over in West Lafayette. So shout out to, to Zach. Uh, he had reached out to me on Twitter and, and he made a good point. He's like, it's not a sinking ship. Um, and, and I think a lot of Oregon state fans after that game real quick to jump on sort of that, that negative bandwagon. Um, but it's not a sinking ship. Not me. I was, I was even keeled walking out of the stadium. Although I didn't because I'm still in the stadium as we've <laughs> established. I, yeah. I mean, I love pouting Terry and Terry <laughs> pout, pouting Terry was in full force for about an hour after the game. Um, but like you guys said, the PAC 12 North looks like shit. So we, there's, <laughs> there's hope right there. Um, Wait, why did Terry pouting Terry turn his frown upside down? A lot well, of reasons. We're going to uh, get there. Were a lot of reasons. Yeah. A lot of, a lot because it's such a great day to be alive. JP. I'm overall, you guys are just so optimistic about beaver sports that it makes me seem like such an asshole. Like I was the first one. I hesitate to say his name, but I'm going to anyway. I was the first one to jump off the Gary Anderson hype. It wasn't immediate. I'm not saying I knew something that none of you didn't, but after a handful of games, it was like, wait a fucking second. This guy is not it. And I was like, this is bullshit. Just blow it up. Just blow it up. And that's just you know, it was, you were right. I was right. And I'm not like yeah. proud of being right about it, but it's just, and you, it's not that like you guys, like I claim to know more, but I think you guys are just more so positive on the beeves that it makes me look like a negative fucking Nancy all the time. When I think I'm generally a very positive life is beautiful. Let's enjoy this wonderful journey kind of guy. Uh, but then there's, they start calling bullshit plays and I get mad and I look at Bethany and I'm like, good teams beat bad teams on the road. <laughs> um, and I start, I can hear, I can hear my father and my father's father just threw uh, the tones in my voice, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> um, we're going to get into all that. And uh, we're going to do that right now. Uh, we have not cheers yet. And this has nothing to do with Oregon state sports at all, but the worst thing that happened this weekend was the death of one of my favorite, one of everyone's favorite actors, your favorite actor's favorite actor, Michael Kenneth Williams, Omar Little, Chalky White, and just so many other amazing roles. One of the best actors of our time. And I just, I, I was already kind of over the loss, but even like once that like happened, I just didn't even think about Purdue anymore. I was just so sad that we lost this incredible talent. So we kind of have a tradition in our group of friends. Um, shout out to Skinder for starting this. I remember we were all out the night that John Wooden died and Skin said, every cheers tonight is to John Wooden. And now we kind of all do this with, you know, celebrity sad, you know, celebrity deaths as a way to, you know, remember the talent that they brought into the world and the inspiration that they brought. So cheers to Michael Kenneth Williams. This will not be the last time we cheers your name. Omar coming forever. Salud guys. Cheers. cheers. Rest in peace. RIP MKW. Um, so yes, there was more, there were some positives to take away from the game. And 
on our show notes that we're looking at right now. Um, why I'm more optimistic than you probably think I am. <clears throat> and I go back to last episode. I actually misspoke about something. I told Benny that if we're, if us in a big 10 stadium, like always comes to fruition and we're down 40, nothing, I'm going to look at you and say, well, <clears throat> this happened at Penn state and we beat USC the next week. I didn't do that. We weren't losing 40, nothing. We we're actually in the game and could have won it. <laughs> and I still didn't bring that olive branch of optimism to our conversation. But what I was, I was wrong about last week was that it wasn't the next week we beat USC. It was two weeks later. The next week was the first time ever we hosted the Hawaii rainbow warriors at research stadium and the entire series of the two teams. Now, 13 years later, coming off a disappointing loss on the road in the Big Ten, and we're hosting Hawaii, which tells me not only are we going to beat Hawaii, but in the following week, we'll also beat juggernaut Idaho. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll be sitting at two and one and back on track. So that is the little bit of superstition in it. Uh, Hawaii did play yesterday. They played two games now. They beat Portland State 45 to 31. So they've given up 44 and 31 points. So let's hope to God the offense has a better showing than they did against Purdue. Not in my prediction, they don't. Yeah, but your prediction is fluid, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe maybe they will, maybe they won't. I am feeling optimistic uh, about, about this game um, for, an, for a number of reasons as well. But let's get into sort of our overall thoughts uh, on the game. JP, let's start with you. Uh, what sort of positive takeaways do you have from the performance? Yeah, I mean, overall, there are a lot of positives, but overall, it was kind of disappointing. Um, I feel like we just didn't really put everything together at a time at any time that we really could have and needed to. Um, and there was just kind of spurts of excellence that uh, gave us a lot of promise, but also has made the game even more frustrating. I think when you'd see some good throws, big plays, good defensive stops, lots of pressure on the quarterback to just have blown coverage. But I really, really was um, impressed with Nolan. I uh, did reach out, well, reach out in Twitter, in Twitter terms. I tweeted at Jonathan Smith, I think all of last year, that say, give Nolan a chance. I think it was my hashtag. Oh, yeah, I you used. did do that. <laughs> um, and so I, while I was very high on Neuer and probably, I don't know if, I, if we uh, right or wrong on that, it's still kind of to be determined. I still think that Chance Nolan gives us a chance. And I think that uh, he showed that uh, coming into a situation where we needed to like calm the team down and just like play a steady game of football. And he did that. Um, so I thought Chance Nolan was a really good highlight for us. Um, and, and he also made the receiving core look great. And they also made him look great in, in reverse. So you know, Bradford had an awesome game. Lindsay, like, is starting to, to reach that potential that everyone was expecting to. And that was really, really cool to see. And, and he was multidimensional as well as we saw He's um, on my positive list for sure. He was so fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So I think in, in that regard, I'm feeling pretty good about if we can settle on a quarterback and it doesn't sound like it's going to be Jebbia anytime soon. Um, I think that Nolan gives our receivers the best chance to shine. Right. And we need that because I don't think our running backs are up to stuff. Yeah. But was that all, and not to dive right into negatives, but 
it seemed like we didn't even give the running backs a chance. Like hardly any of them got any carries. Like we were pretty pass heavy the whole game. And if you can't run block, then I get it. Or if the running backs can't get any separation, I get it. But this, that's not supposed to be a problem with this team and run defense. It was not supposed to be a strength of Purdue. Again, this is week one. Purdue could be undefeated and in the college football playoff. And then we could be like, Oh, actually. Um, So it's hard to get too into the weeds, but it kind of seemed like we weren't running great at first. So then Smith was like, let's just pass all the time, even though our quarterback is overthrowing every receiver by 40 yards. Mm -hmm. And that just made it tough. Like on my negatives is we went three and out four times in the first half. I don't Mm -hmm. think we went three and out in the second half, but it was like, we went four and out. We, we did go four and out for sure. Um, It was weird because Purdue wasn't setting the world on fire either. It was just kind of (laughs) like, it wasn't even the game was played in between the twenties. It was sort of like it was played between like, the 35 yard line to 35 yard line and like neither offense could do much for a while. So that was tough. And like, we didn't see any practices, you guys. So we have no idea what Neuer looked like, but with that starting experience that he had at Colorado, I was expecting more than that, but right. It does feel like that game could have been a win regardless, but also likely would have been a win with chance. And I don't know. What do you think about that, Benny? Yeah, that's, that's what I think is. I think that uh, the Beavs win that game. If, if chances uh, starting at quarterback, which is too bad because I, I think obviously in practice, Neuer probably uh, impressed um, much more than what he did on the field. Uh, but regarding the running game. So we ran the ball 25 times uh, versus uh, 38 passing play. So the, it, it wasn't completely balanced, but it was more balanced than what it felt. Cause I agree with you, Terry. It felt like we were really, really pass happy. It was almost as if like we were, we were lining up to pass every first down and with Neuer in there, it was almost either an incomplete or a really short gain on first down. So, so then you almost have to pass on second down. Um, and, and we just sort of got into that routine. But the one thing that I didn't, I really didn't like is they were splitting the carries between uh, BJ and, and Trey Lowe. And so BJ got nine carries and 24 yards and Trey Lowe got six carries and 27 yards. And it, like my personal opinion is if, if you're going to, um, if you're going to be running the ball like that, like you have to have a, a number one running back and you have to let them get into the groove of things. And you can't just be splitting time up like that because then no one's able to actually get into the groove of running the ball. Um, and I think that that happened a little bit. Yeah. And just, just to interject too, I, I agree. And I think what compounded that, and I look, I love the Coletto package. I think that's one of my favorite things about him on this team. But on all these short gains, a short down gain plays, it was just like, okay, we'll run the Coletto package. And so, again, you're kind of interrupting the the momentum that these backs are trying to build on um, when you're like, okay, it's third and two, we'll bring in Coletto. And so it's like, you know, trusting your running backs. I think we'll get to this later, but I think that that was probably more appropriate on the, some of those fourth and short plays that we had. Yeah. Uh, and I know, and, and I know there was some attempts, but like on all of them, I think that should be just a Coletto package, but um, bringing him in on any other short down play, like was just, uh, just interrupted the flow, I think. So I, I totally agree on top of, right. on top of splitting uh, carries like they were. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a committee and they're going to have to figure it out. But yeah, it did seem like, 
Like I want, I think BJ Baylor on third and two is maybe even a higher percentage than Jack Coletto on third and two. And I yeah, know right. Coletto's an inside linebacker. He was also lined up at kick returner, which was fucking weird. And yeah, yeah that was weird. I, and Angie Machado brought this up on damn podcast. And after she did, I spent more than an hour of my drive home thinking about a reason for why Coletto would be there. And I, honestly can't think of a reason why he should be there yeah. and not someone like whoever. So champ is the number one kicker turner. I can't think of a reason why he should be there rather than whoever the number two kick returner behind champ is. The, the, the only reason that I could come up with was that they had some sort of trick play where they wanted mm-hmm. to like for him to throw it across the field back sure, over to champ. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. That that's the only thing that would make sense. Cause he's not fast. Right. No. Like it's, that's not no. why they have him. And he used to, but and, he used to be a quarterback. So I feel like that trick play would be pretty obvious for any special teams. Right. Yeah. To step out. But, right. but so, and also like having him on third and two, just to kind of go back to that, it doesn't like give your offense a spark. Like, yes, your, your chances of converting that first down are probably fairly high to get those two yards with Coletto, but he's going to just get two yards. Yeah. Like he, he's not going to like burst through the hole and break past the defense and like take it 60 yards which can right. happen at any time if you have like a talented running back. Right. And right. I think, I think that he was just kind of not like overused, but just like used too early or in the wrong situations that didn't just like hurt the entire offense, but definitely threw out the rhythm off for, for the running back team. Right. And I'm not right. opposed to them trying to figure this out and giving lots of guys the ball, but when it wasn't working, they gave, they brought Fenwick out for one carry. He got one yard and that was it. And that sort of seemed to be a theme for the night in a way, uh, not just in the running game, but in the passing game too. Like Treshawn Harrison didn't get a target. And I saw him on the field one time. Uh, Makaya Tung was on the field very briefly. And, you know, those are the the two biggest receivers <clears throat> on this team. I was, I, I know I'm saying we need to run, not run more than we pass overall, but the balance should be a little bit more in the middle. But Zariah Beeson only getting two targets was kind of crazy to me as well. It just seemed like we didn't go in with a concrete plan of who we wanted to get the ball to and how often and right that kind of, and it wasn't helpful that Neuer wasn't getting the ball to anyone in the first half. And then Nolan came in and did better, but you know, it just, none of it was, uh, was working very well at all. And Maybe it's typical beeves starting slow and then the offense catches on fire later in the year, uh, hopefully starting next week. But yeah, there were a lot of, there's way more questions than answers at this point. What about on the other side of the ball? What did you like? Well, r- real quick, one last thing to add on, on the offense side of the ball. So like, I think we can all agree that Sam Neuer looked really, really bad, but I looked up this stat, which shows truly how bad he was. Uh, oh, no. He had, he had a QBR of 7.8, which was lower than not only any quarterback that played for a Pac-12 school last week, but any player that played for an opponent of a Pac-12 school last week. Um, It was, he was one of two guys that had a QBR under 10, the other being Washington's quarterback, uh, which obviously we know how how much that uh, he moved the ball, but it's just, I mean... (laughs) How does he get a rating that low though without throwing an interception? That doesn't make he, sense. He me. did throw an interception. He did throw a pick. You were in the yeah. beer line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did throw a okay. pick. Yeah. Um, okay, that makes sense. I mean, well, Dylan Morris threw three interceptions, but still, okay. I, I I had it down as zero picks. I did not look at that part of the box score because 
our passing numbers depressed me. So yeah, apologies it was, for that. It but. also also has to do with the fact that he didn't get a hundred yards in passing and had over or had 21 attempts. Right. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I know. Yeah. Um, but really JP, you asked about defense and I think uh, we got this um, question from one of our, our Twitter followers as well. Um, Joe Hedberg, I believe. Uh, hey Joe. And that was, you know, is uh, I'm not looking at the tweet right now, but in theory, it's, you know, is the defense better because the defense performed better than expected or were we, you know, just sort of playing mediocre competition. And I'm going to try and be, you know, not uh, dismissive of, of Purdue. I was doing that a little bit at the, at the game to Benny, but also, you know, we have no idea how good Purdue is. Um, it's, right. and it's hard to tell, and it is a power five team on the road. So the defense was playing without Isaac Hodgins and without Addison gums, but injuries are going to happen in football. It's hard when it's, you know, two sort of linchpin guys, on your defensive unit in week one. And I thought some other guys came in and uh, played, played pretty well. Um, Ryan Frankie, who, whose parents we met at that pregame, uh, we had a yeah. uh, shout out to the Frankies and that's a kid who's dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, <clears throat> he came in and played well. So I was happy with him. I think, you know, it's easy to look at the box score and how many yards, like David Bell just went wild, but he's a good receiver. Uh, Rajon Wright had a tough, tough draw and they were trying to get bell away from Rajon. Like if you, I yeah. didn't go back and watch the whole game, but I went back and watched, you know, select parts and they were like, they were scheming bell, you know, to, you know, come at our linebackers and you know, the way a smart, <laughs> the way a, a former backup to Steve young on the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> would do uh, trying to stop Jim drunken Miller from stealing his job. So they were getting bell away from Rajon, but Rajon still made some plays in the past defense game. Um, he so got lucky on one call, one no call. He got very yeah. lucky on one no call. He's he's handsy, but I mean, you know. But I, I love him. I I was yeah. I, to me he was a standout. Yeah. Even though like his line wasn't like phenomenal, and no. there were times that he was definitely exposed. But the right. times that he uh, really like showed up, I thought he did like an awesome job. And I just love, I just love his confidence. Mm-hmm. That kind of lets you know like he's not gonna be afraid to line up against any competition. And you right. kind of need to have that. There's been times where we've had defensive backs where you could tell they're like, oh my God, I'm going up against this guy. And they, they look like they're cowering to the competition. And yeah, Rajon doesn't look like he he's got that. And I think that's his, that's his EPA coming out. He's got some, <laughs> uh, he's got some Keenan Lewis to him. I think yeah, it does. Exactly. He's not, not scared of fucking anyone. And then I, I'll just like 30 points. And there are some big plays we gave up. Certainly some, there is a couple Purdue brought the pain. <laughs> they brought pain, the pain, pain train. Pain for sure. Durham. Yeah. Oh my, that if you're named pain Durham, you're going to be a tight end for the Purdue Boilermakers. There's no <laughs> other, <laughs> there's no other. And absolutely torch Oregon state for sure. But there is some, it was a couple really big lapses and I'm, I'm not just trying to be an echo chamber of, you know, positive uh, beaver fandom right now, but for the most part, you know, I think those are mistakes that can be fixed and eliminated. And, you know, this is, there's guys on this defense that have, you know, played together for a long time, but there's, you know, newcomers as well. And there's dealing with some injuries. So I wasn't, I was pleasantly surprised for the most part from the defense. And there were those big plays that were frustrating, but if they can clean that up, then I think this is a team that can uh, pitch some low scores and uh, put a run together. Yeah. 
I think that, um, and I haven't gone back to, to rewatch the games, so I can only go over what I, what I saw live, but, um, it seemed like it was, uh, when we were in zone defense that we were missing assignments like crazy. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, it was like, there wasn't somebody within like 15 yards of the receiver who got, who got the ball. And it's just like, what happened there? Um, so there were some of those moments, uh, but Terry uh, made a, a good point where it was like, it really did feel like we were bending up, but not breaking. And that that's saying a lot after giving up almost 400 yards. Um, but it seemed like when they got into the red zone, uh, Purdue found it really hard to score. Um, which I thought was a really, really good sign for us because they scored a touchdown on that really long play uh, to Payne at the end of the game. And I'm trying to remember their other, their other, t- I think they did have one score in the red zone, but then the other one came from outside the red zone too. Yeah. So I think there were, they were one for four for touchdowns in the red zone, which is really good for Oregon state's defense. Um, the interception that we had, I think we got really lucky on, uh that was all Jaden grant baby dude that was it was it was luck but that was you know that's a a good you know it was a good recovery i was surprised they really as an interception and not a fumble well he fucked up on the um on the assignment because it was a missed assignment and he he had to you sort of recalibrate to to get back to the receiver and and get to him in time to uh to knock the ball out but but yeah i mean it could have definitely been ruled a fumble as well um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think going into a, a, a big 10 school on the road and, um, in being able to shut their offense out from, uh, scoring only one time when being in the red zone four times, uh, th- that's a huge win. And I think that's something to build on for the defense. They made it look hard in the red zone, but it wasn't exactly like the 2000 Ravens or anything like that. But I think. I think you're right to to credit the the red zone D. And there was that one strange time where they're they were in the red zone lining up for a field goal and they got called for delay a game. And then there was a there was immediately a personal foul after that. And then that took them completely out of field goal range. Right. So I think and I'm not even sure what that call was. And speaking of uh it was something on the sideline too. Something on the side. Oh, like, that's what that, like. got it. that you know that built us out, but of course we paid for that with the targeting ejection, which I didn't like at all. Uh, no. Which the only exchange I really had with a Purdue fan was the this guy sitting across the aisle from us, going like, "Well, that's the ruling. His head went into his chest." And I just have to say, if you ever start any kind of like officiating controversy with, "Well, that's the ruling," you know you're wrong. You know <laughs> yeah. you're wrong. That's that goes back to Des Bryant's catch at Lambeau. Yes. His catch with play like that happens. Fans of 31 teams say that's a catch. And then, you know, bumbling Packer fans go, well, the ruling's worded as he doesn't have process. If you start doing that, you know, you're wrong. Dude's head eyes were up, hit him in the chest. But and he had to go high because his teammate was going low. Like where was he supposed to hit his own guy? Just like, you know, you're essentially, it's like the, soccer ref who gives a straight red in the 20th minute for like a 50 50 tackle. Like you're just destroying a game by doing that. There right. needs to be more common sense placed into that, or just get rid of the like fucking rule. Like a personal foul, like is enough. Clearly this isn't stopping anyone from targeting. It's not preventative and it just messes up games. It slows it down and it, you know, punishes kids who don't really have, you know, a choice in the matter. So that's, 
I think that like for, for targeting calls, they, they have to call it for what it is. Like if they are targeting to hurt the player, get them out of there. And you can tell, you can use your judgment to know when that's happening and when it's not, but they're like, Oh, like if you think his eyes are down and he's using his helmet as a weapon, then it's like, well, like, you know, you can't see where his eyes are. He's completely covered. And yeah. it looked that his helmet was going up. His face mask went fully into dude's chest. So yeah, I was pissed off about that. I thought that was just a weenie ass call and it clearly messed us up. So not that we would have won without that happening. I'm not blaming the officials because there are certainly many things Oregon State could have done differently to win the game. But that was something that pissed me off on defense. So I have one question for you guys, and, and this is sort of jotting back to offense, but um, but I saw a lot was being made out of that, the fourth and one call, right? Like we had scored a touchdown um, the previous drive. I think it was Chance Nolan's first drive, right? Um, either first or second, but we had scored a touchdown and we were sort of rolling. Uh, and then it gets to fourth and one and we decide to go for um, there was a play action and went for, went for the home run, right? Like you go for, he went, so Smith went for the touchdown. Um, my instinctive response to that was that it was a bad call and we should have gone, yeah. we should have ran it up the middle. The Coletto but, package, the Coletto, Coletto package, but, the Coletto package. But, but you can't stop it. Said, you can only contain it for two yards. And we only needed one. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, if he would have connected and I, 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 have not watched the game on TV, so I don't know, but it looked like pass interference to me, or it could have been called for pass interference because Nolan threw a good ball and it looked like the receiver got held back. But if he were to connect, we would all be celebrating the, how aggressive Smith was on fourth down. Of course we were. And if he had checked down to Tegan, Tegan would still be running right now. And (laughs) I'd be running after him away out of this fucking beer line. I'm still in it. You guys, I'm like five people away. It's kind of moving. Yeah, it's that's one of those things too, where it's like it didn't work. So of course we're all armchair quarterbacking this shit. Yeah, and but it wasn't every, just the one though. That's the no, issue. No, the, the, the play calling overall right. is right to be criticized in this game, like because it was imbalanced. A lot of shit wasn't working, and there didn't seem to be adjustments made. What I think ha- is, I think Chance did pulled off the fake, and for a quarter of a second. He saw Ty. I forget the Purdue defender who uh, had the coverage on Tajan on that play, but Tajan looked open for just long enough to trick Chance into thinking that it was <clears throat> a huge game-altering touchdown. Yeah, uh, I thought it was pretty good defense. Um, I, I think that's a tough spot because I don't think they called too much PI in the game, they if didn't. at all. And, and and yeah, I mean Stevens had a great response right after. He's like, "Look, like that could have been called PI in another game, but they've been calling it real loose this game, so you can't you can't really call that." Which, right. if that's the case, I, I agree. I'm fine with that call in a vacuum because if we do the Coletto package and get two, and we're still at midfield, you know, you still need to score. And right. I just think you know, going in, he probably said a chance. Like if you're going to go deep, if you're going to take a chance, God, that, that pun is impossible to avoid, but be damn sure. You're welcome. I, I say, and damn is another pun. Damn it. <laughs> I can't afford it. We're, up. we're so punny. So <laughs> I don't gonna know. chop the ball down the field. If you're going to chop the ball in half and then give it to um, all of them. <laughs> 
so I, yeah, I just wish chance would have been like, would have gone to Tegan or one of the other receivers who was underneath. So that sucked, but you know, also Tajan was having a hell of a game. Yeah. We were talking about, so that's into the, some of the positives as well, but I'm not going to dissect all of Smith's play calling. I think we agree with you, Beaver fam play calling needs to be better, needs to be more balanced. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm not going to say anything egregious here, but I think we all need to collectively agree. Jonathan Smith, who is Oregon State immortality, the honeymoon's over. Right. It's been over. Had did a hell of a job in 2019, beat Oregon in 2020. Now this shit needs to get better. I needs to turn to at least, you know, the average output of the Riley era, which is almost always fighting for bowl games. Right. That's what it needs to be. And these games are going to need to turn into wins. And I'm not saying he should be on the hot seat and I'm saying he should rightly be criticized. And I'm just, and not that anyone's doing this. I'm not accusing anyone of just, you know, <clears throat> putting lipstick on a pig or anything like this, but we've had a tendency over the last few years to just celebrate every single thing about Jonathan Smith. Think that we have our coach for the next 40 years and I'm just saying we're at a point where like, let's pile up some wins. You're not a bad fan for saying, show me some wins, Jonathan. And then I'll say you're the best coach in the Pac-12. Yeah. And I think that's fair. One, one thought I had, though, with, with why maybe things went a little bit, um, uh, the wheels fell off, essentially, was, I mean, Lindgren's really calling the plays, right? I mean, it's not sure, really yeah. Smith anymore. and. Could Lindgren have potentially leaned in too heavily on Neuer, given their their familiarity back at Colorado and been like, hey, I'm going to put a, together a game plan for you that's going to make you successful because I know what works for you. I mean, they only had a year together, right? But still, like, I'm sure he was heavily involved with bringing him to Colorado as a quarterback. Right. And right. I, maybe he set up the game plan thinking Neuer was going to execute. And when Neuer didn't, yeah, they just didn't, they didn't adapt. Um, and, and I think that's what maybe kind of led to the, uh, the frustration from the Beaver fam in regards to the play calling, because there was, it was hard to point the finger because you didn't know where to aim. Yeah. Do you think that there's a chance? Cause I saw that Smith is not going to announce who the starting quarterback is until late in the week. Do you think that there's a chance that Neuer gets the starting nod for the Hawaii game? Yes. There's so, yeah. Well, there's a chance. Yes, there is a chance. It wouldn't shock me if he was, because you need to build confidence in the player suit. Right. Speaking right. of that, it is Chance Nolan's birthday. So happy birthday, Chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meant to say that at a, at a more uh, obvious, you know, positive moment. But I, we keep, we've said, we say the word chance over and over again. But also, I think what made it difficult to see Neuer as a starter and then performing as he did is that, you know, Nolan has continuity with this team going back to last year. And what Carter Baines reported on, you know, the damn podcast is even though, you know, Lindgren and Neuer have familiarity, like this offense is completely different than Colorado's was last year. Right. So he's learning a lot and yeah, they had a year together, but the way it looked on the field was that they barely had an hour together. Like right. that, it's, it just looked so, you know, disjointed. And like we said, we're not in practice and Neuer clearly is filled with talent, but you know, Nolan came in and operated the offense, like someone who knows the offense. Right. And yeah. Exactly. I, that's, that's where like, and uh, obviously this is just what goes in football. If it's the offensive coordinator's fault, it's the head coach's fault. If it's the defense coordinator's call, it's the head coach's fault. Like that, 
is just the the nature of the beast to an extent. And I think, you know, just Neuer playing, you know, there's a, there's maybe a parallel universe where that decision is amazing. And we hang seven touchdowns on Purdue. Like a lot of people thought was possible because there wasn't expected to be a lot of defense in this game, Mm -hmm. but that's not what it happened. And I think, you know, chance clearly showed that had he been in there longer, you know, that this uh, result could have been, could have been different, but right. So I don't think there's reason to freak out, but it just seemed like we lacked creativity on any play that didn't involve Tyjon Lindsay. So maybe Tyjon <laughs> should start at quarterback against Hawaii. I wouldn't mind seeing that Tyjon Lindsay is like a better Taysom Hill. I want him touching the ball from every position on every play. What about Alatiche? Yeah. Alatiche too. <laughs> Lindsay had a better QBR than <laughs> I think any quarterback. <laughs> that yeah, one attempt. School. Yeah. For 35 yards, one of one of one for 35. And then we scored on the, we scored that's on right. the, and then we scored on the next play too. So the very next play was a touchdown. So that's like a Gretzky assist from hockey. You know, when you get assist for the, setting up the assist, that's right. That should be a new stat called the, the called the Tajon, the Tajon. <laughs> um, let's get to another Twitter question. And this Twitter question was sent from me because I like to be self-deprecating. <laughs> and I thought of this while driving because I'm clearly a masochist. Um, I say that after I gave the pitch that I'm actually a positive guy, but Oregon state hasn't beaten an FBS team on the road in quite or a power five team, a non-conference power five team on the road in quite some time. You could maybe count temple in 2003 because they're in the big East, but which is not a power five conference now, but would have been considered one then either way, it doesn't count. And I I like this because I want to talk about Oregon State's, you know, future non-conference schedule as well, because that's kind of fun. Um, I, of course, need to get it pulled up here. But what's going to happen first? Oregon State football beats a power five non-conference team on the road or the Minnesota Twins win a single playoff game. (laughs) You don't have to look. You don't even have to look. We know the answer. We don't know the answer. Yes, we do. We don't. We don't. So here here's the twins are cursed. Possibly, but we might be, the beeves might be too. (laughs) And so I use this as a way to to get excited about future non-conference away games that we can travel to and potentially something magical can happen. The twins are not going to make the playoffs this year. So they'll have no chance. I think they were statistically eliminated on May 1st. So they will have zero chance to do it this season. The next Power five non-conference road game for Oregon State is at Texas Tech in 2025. Right. After that, it's at Ole Miss in 2027, which we're going to. We have to. We're booking tickets now. Uh, We're coming to the Grove, so get ready. (laughs) We're going to do a live show in the Grove. (laughs) I'll go to that one. For sure. We'll get JP. You know, Everett will be 10 at that point, and, you know, Penny May will be six and a half. Uh, you can bring them to it. You know, ever can basically drive us home after that. Uh, that's, that's, that's old enough. If we combine their ages, they're, they're, yeah, the yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just put Penny May in the front seat. So, but then if they lose those two, I'm essentially saying, do I think the twins win a single playoff game in the next decade? It's been more than a decade since they've won <laughs> one game. It's been since 2004. And also in that year, they only won one game. They lost three, one to the Yankees in the ALDS coming off of 2003 when they lost the Yankees doing the ALDS. 
Well, by the time 2025 rolls around, we're going to be the four-time undefeated defending national champions <laughs> rolling into Texas Tech. We, we have favorites. We haven't lost the game since week one at West Lafayette in 2021. <laughs> All right. So I think we know the answer. Yeah. I think you know the answer deep down. This is a rhetorical question. I'm going to say the Twins win a single playoff game before no 2025. Way. No way. In the next five years, we win a single playoff game. So I'm betting against Oregon State winning at Texas Tech, another place that's going to be really fun to travel to. You can't really fly direct from Corvallis to Lubbock, people. Uh, so it's going to be a tough trip. Twinkies, you got to get me one. You got to get me one. Come on. I, it's Trevor. I'm betting for Trevor Larnack in this. So you can't say <laughs> I'm just being a homer for my hometown professional teams when this could be the benefit of Trevor Larnack. Well, you're just lucky that Nick Madrigal moved cross town to the Cubs or else right. you guys would only be vying for a wild card spot. It'll be Larnack versus Madrigal in the world series that year. <laughs> <laughs> when you think of world series baseball, you think of the Chicago Cubs and the Minnesota twins. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm going to, I don't, I, you guys aren't with me on this. I'm giving my, uh, my faith to the the twins in this. Um, so one, la- there's a last few shout outs on the Purdue game. Uh, we met some great listeners. Um, Zach scores who follows the pod on Twitter. Uh, it was so great to meet you, Zach. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on your friend's name who is wearing your Mike Haas Jersey, but it's awesome to see both of you there. It's definitely awesome to see a Mike Haas Jersey and Eric, Eric and Raleigh, Eric. Uh, we've talked with Eric on Twitter. He's ordered some swag already. Um, I was wearing the belligerent beef shirt at the, at the OSU alumni association event at the brewery. And I thought a dude like kind of like made eye contact with me and pointed. And then I kind of, I was, but I was like looking away and I was like, oh, but then Eric and his friend Johnny came up and was like, dude, I love your shirt. Are, are you one of the co-hosts? And I was like, yeah. And I was, he was like, yeah, he's, yeah I'm Eric. We listen to the show. I was like, this is so fucking cool. Um, like, are you, you Benny, know, our favorite like, co-host? <laughs> no. I was like, no, no. I'm not. They're like, oh, but no, he's not. And I was like, no. They're like, oh, so you're Terry then. Fuck. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway. Are you the super secret later. producer skin? Are you super secret <laughs> skinder? <laughs> uh, all, all three better options uh, than, than me for hanging out with uh, <laughs> in a brewery. Uh, but so it's so great uh, to meet to meet all of you guys. Thanks for coming out. Keep listening to the pod. You know, share it with friends. Uh, order order more swag. That's how you get over those uh, Purdue lost blues. Uh, ordering more belligerent <laughs> beef swag. Um, the last thing I have to say on that is uh, Benny and A.A. Ron both called me stupid for wearing those crispy white Jordan ones to the game because it was raining. But I promised, I promised the people that I would be in West Lafayette wearing those ones. And I did. And they're still crispy as ever. You know, water, you use water to clean things. So rain's going to make it clean. You know, I don't, I didn't understand what the big deal was. I watched, I was very careful where I stepped. Uh, I was mostly standing still in a beer line. So (laughs) there wasn't a lot of movement (laughs) happening. And yeah, they still look great. And I love these shoes to death. So the shoes survive for everyone who's concerned. The ones are fine. They're just as good as it was a good look too. Those are cool shoes. If I could plug my shoes that I'm going to wear to the Idaho game, you'll find me stomping around in some black and orange Reebok pumps. (laughs) Dude, that's awesome. I love pumps. Yeah. So if you see a guy squeezing the tongues of his shoes, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Got to put some more pressure on him.
<laughs> Absolutely. You, if we're losing, you have to like pump, you know, pump more into it, you know, but I'll just slowly deflate it. My soul. Yeah. <laughs> Your feet will just be crushed by the end of the game. <laughs> I had a, I had a pump baseball glove when I was a kid. Weird. And I held on I, to that. I should have, I don't know, but so in the movie, I, I promise I didn't mean to talk about the twins this much, but in the movie, the, in the movie, little big league, with the plot is, is a kid managing the twins and JP, your little league team was the twins. So you have a connection here as well. Exactly. Uh, Bauer is one of the relief pitchers who is like sort of the comedic relief for the movie drops balloons on people's heads. I've seen this movie a lot, you guys. So anyone wants to talk a little big league, get at me on Twitter. Uh, but Bowers wears a pump glove in the in the movie and every time you know he gives up a hit he pumps his glove up thinking like that's gonna help him pitch better so there was that bit in pop culture and i haven't seen a pump glove anywhere else and i'm not even sure it really did anything but (laughs) i had one i had one they exist cool and i also loved reebok pumps back in the day as well i think do you have the the terrace do you have the black is the orange just the basketball that's on the pump is that the only orange and, on the, and the little side squiggle okay mm. okay those are sick those those are yeah. like the originals right or close to them yeah they re- they re-released like six months ago and i knew in advance i was going to buy them for this to wear as a member of this podcast <laughs> yeah which means benny you have to get some cool orange and black shoes i know i'm gonna go online tonight and start looking for them all right i have <laughs> i have black shoes but no orange and black shoes okay that well, there's the requirement for orange to be present. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just common black shoes. <laughs> you know, you know what I started thinking of when you started talking about little big league was you remember the movie Little Giants, where it was yeah, like the pop, I, the pop, the pop Warner team that played like the Dallas Cowboys in real you're, life. I was about to say you're not going to believe this, but you're probably going to believe this. I watched Little Giants two weeks ago. Yeah, I believe not that. Surprised. I love that movie. They don't play yeah. the Dallas Cowboys in real life, but they, they're like they're they're like a group of kids significantly older wearing Dallas no, Cowboy jerseys. It's the kids who they, there's a team. There's literally there's the pop the Pee Wee team is the Cowboys. And Ed O'Neill picks the team. His niece, Becky, the icebox O'Shea, remember the fucking name, put some respect on it. We age is the best player out there, but she, he cuts her and her friends from the team because she's a girl and he thinks girls can't play football. Um, it should have started a lot of important conversations a lot earlier, to be honest, looking back at it. Mm-hmm. But then the icebox with her friends, uh, rad tad, Rudy Zoltek, your neighborhood friendly gas man and Rasheen hot hands, Hanan. Uh, they recruit a group of misfits. It's like kind of a modern telling of the bad news bears. And then they play the Cowboys in a uh, one game playoff to be the official peewee team of Urbania, Ohio. I don't just know this. I literally watched this like 10 days ago. Um, but yeah, we're a little giants podcast now, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Or at least giants. this third of the podcast is. It's also a really good segue. You talked about women in football or really all sports. And we tweeted today, I guess yesterday, about the mystery of Bernice Beaver. Benny's wife. Well, actually, that's that's the thing is no one knows. Or is, is it Benny's it, sister? It, or just another, another beaver with an alliterative name? So there's been research done, right? And I actually have done my own research on this because what happened to Bernice? Where is she? Why is she trapped 
probably in Gil's basement, according to some of our Twitter followers who said they have seen her firsthand in a box at the bottom please, of Gil's costume. specify that this is a costume and not a real person. <laughs> well, so hold on. <laughs> I hope so, because in, in doing my research, I actually found a woman named Bernice B. Beaver, who would have fit the age of the Bernice Beaver. She says this is a real life woman who was born in 1966. Ooh. So that means in the early 80s, she would have been 18, gone to college at OSU. Did she, she go died. to college at OSU? I don't know, but she, yes, I'm gonna assume so, but she died in 2017. <laughs> so I really hope this isn't the what is you know essentially the end of uh, Bernice Beaver because look, we're trying to figure out where she is. There's, there was an attempt to bring her back in 2018. Um, there was a, a grassroots campaign to bring back Bernice Beaver, started by none other than the you. woman, no, Jill Beasley, class of 99, who was Bernice for two years in 95 and 96. She was also Benny. So maybe we should get Jill on the pod. Um, she works in Portland. On the pod. So yeah, Jill, if you're listening, you're you're totally welcome to come on the pod. However, she tried to bring it, bring her back and she was pretty much told, you know, was Steve Clark, OSU spokesperson said, uh, there's no plans to bring Bernice back at this time, that they are committed to Benny Beaver as Oregon State's sole mascot, et cetera. So I don't know if it's fruitful to go down the, the road of, can we bring her back? I think she should be brought back. I'm sure we all agree. And with the buzz that is generated on our Twitter account, obviously there are a lot of people who feel the same way. <laughs> there are tens of people who feel the same way. <laughs> they have moms, they have sisters, they have daughters, they have nieces, they have friends who are girls and they want representation. And I totally agree. So instead of trying to find a solution, in total belligerent fashion, we should just figure out who's at fault and why she's gone. This is yeah. a true crime podcast. This is, yes. I was going to say, where this is a true crime podcast. Now. The Flanderson Files. Bah, bah, bah. In 1966, Bernice Beaver went, went to Parker Stadium on the campus of Oregon State University in Corvallis, Oregon, like she did for every fall Saturday. She walked <laughs> in the parade. She posed for pictures with fans. She stood on the field, hoping to cheer Oregon State on to victory. But the next Saturday, Bernice wasn't there. The next Saturday, and every Saturday going forth, Bernice was gone. This well, is not just the next Saturday. <laughs> just, this is the belligerent B files. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a real true crime podcast. Uh, I love I, I I love that. Let's tackle this conspiracy. Um, I, I think we're suited to do it. Let's figure it out. Let's write strongly worded letters to academic email addresses and see if something happens it won't but let's do it <laughs> and yeah i'm i'm down to be the official podcast of the Bernice Bernice. mystery yeah find bernice free bernice the network is growing uh, already so thank you for doing the legwork on this fe this featured story of this episode of belligerent beeves jp uh, absolutely great stuff as always and yeah that is a uh, our our tweet did not did not go viral but a handful of people liked it's it close. and it's, it's still people early. are responding I, I saw like a bunch of responses of like people who like had anecdotes of this and so i'm like oh like this is something that's completely off my radar but people know about it and have have thoughts and feelings so definitely this won't be the last time 
we report on on this uh, great story, compelling and rich. Uh, we will we will free Bernice or die trying. I think that's our sentiment yeah. right now. Did you guys see the comment from Karen Brian saying wish wish they'd rename her Bivance? <laughs> <laughs> So good. I, I'm Shout not, out to Karen Brian. Let's do that and get Beyonce on the pod. I think that right. both of those things can totally happen. Deal, deal. Well, I think though we have to go back to the roots. If we're going to start and figuring out where she is, we got to figure out why she's gone. And I did some research on this to try to figure out who to blame or who to start asking questions to. There was a piece done by the Gazette Times, Corvallis Gazette Times in 2004 about... Bernice said, where have you gone? Bernice Beaver was the headline. It was, a, it's actually, it's not a telling piece. It's kind of satirical, I guess, in a way, because it doesn't solve anything. It just asks a bunch of current students if they knew that Oregon State had a female mascot and no one seems to know that. They actually did reach out to the university and the answer from the university was nobody knows, at least from the current administration at the time, Nobody knows why she's gone. They didn't have an official answer. They didn't have an official story. They didn't say she graduated and started her own company and became a multimillionaire CEO, right? It was literally, I don't know. We don't know why she's not here anymore. So around the time that Bernice disappeared was the time that we went from like Sailor Benny, Happy Benny to Angry Benny. So there are some theories that Benny, who uh, had a propensity to binge drink like all OSU fans had something to do with her disappearance though. Are you talking about I, Benny Beaver or Benny Weehage or both? Uh, both maybe. No, okay. Benny Beaver. Thank you. For yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't buy that one. Um, I don't think we need to search Benny's dam. I think Benny is a happy-go-lucky, loves everything, everybody, including his sister, wife, whatever she was, and would not have contributed to her, to her disappearance. Though, he did become quite angry in 1998. The, the last time, though, that uh, Bernice was seen publicly was 1997. Ooh, and 98 okay. was when Benny got angry and there was those lawsuits, not lawsuits, but like petitions to, to change change it back or change it different because exactly. it was scaring kids because he was so angry. Exactly. Now, at the time, you, you, you got to figure out there were people in charge who made decisions that made some calls that led to her disappearance. I did some research and found that in 1998, Mitch Barnhart became the athletic director at Oregon State University. He was part of the team, clearly, that led to the revamping of Benny Beaver. As part of that revamping slash rebranding from happy-go-lucky Benny to angry Benny, there was a decision that must have been made that said, we're not going to move forward with Bernice any further. We need to get rid of her. Now, was it directly from the athletic director, a call that he made? I'm not sure. But now, you know, he also is the athletic director at Kentucky. And we all know the SEC schools don't play by the rules. So in my mind, Mitch Barnhart, you're a suspect. You are on the list. If you want to go even higher than Mitch Barnhart, Paul Risser was the university's president at the time of Bernice's disappearance. So somebody has to ultimately make a call. He came in 1996. He must have had something on Bernice or vice versa, where they clearly didn't get along after their first kind of year and a half or so 
working together at Oregon State. He left in 2002. He really didn't do a whole lot other than kind of expansion of the university's like campus facilities. So CH2M Hill Alumni Center was built under him. Paul Sell was built under him, Richardson Hall. And the uh, expansion of Valley Library was started and maybe completed while he was still president. But what did happen when he was president was Bernice's disappearance. And he left quite quickly. Uh, maybe somebody was starting to kind of put the pressure on him to figure out where she went. Now, those are two suspects. Paul Risser, you're on the suspect list. Mitch Barnhart, you're on the suspect list. The biggest suspect in my mind, and I can't confirm anything yet, is Dutch Bauman. That sounds like a guilty name. Dutch, Mr. Dutch, was the athletic director at Oregon State since 1990, who decided he'd had enough in August of 1997. He says, quote, I've not been forced out or fired or bought out. I've become tired, weary, and plain worn out that the criticism has reached a very personal level. Over a period of time, it wears on you and begins to hurt. Now, I see him as an angry man that decided he had had enough of this female counterpart. And, and upon his resignation, which seems suspicious in its own right, he got rid of Bernice. Mm. And maybe Benny is angry now because he was just like a version of Liam Neeson before Liam Neeson became a caricature. <laughs> it, it's it's uh, understood in Oregon State circles that Taken is based on Benny Beaver. That's right. Life. JP, I'm so impressed and I can't wait to hear more. I'm at the edge of my seat right now. This, I know. These, these, these fuckers got some questions to answer. Yeah, and they do. Great, Dutch, great stuff. Dutch Bauman, you're on the list. Dutch Bauman, Mitch Barnhart, and Paul Risser. You will be you will be hearing from our lawyers. Uh, we do have lawyers because we are a very, yeah. very Shout out Danzilla. Entity. <laughs> oh, Danzilla is our lawyer. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking, you know, may, maybe Andrew Horseman, but, you know, he's, he's retired. Oh, yeah, so. true. Yeah, uh, but done. maybe they can collab, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, they'll tag team it, uh, just a, a team, a team of experienced, ruthless litigators coming <laughs> after you for Beaver nation who want answers to their questions. Yeah. This is, we been will find you Bernice, the first deep dive research segment in the history of this podcast, and it will not <laughs> be the last. And I'm so excited about it. JP, thank you so much for that. Yeah. Any, I'll do anything to free Bernice. Free Bernice. We'll do that's our new hashtag free Bernice. It's right there next to Chopham. We'll we'll come up with cute puns because we're punny as we've established on this episode. Uh <laughs> yeah, free free Bernice. And we'll we'll uh, have every piece of this compelling story as we go forward uh to to write write a universal wrong that's been plaguing this uh this nation, this beaver nation across three different decades. Um, before we get out of here, we need to talk about the other kind of football again, football or soccer, as we call it here in the States, uh, which actually originated as a British term. I like to point that out that the English called soccer soccer before we called it soccer. That could be my next big research thing <laughs> if I have to come up with one. Um, <laughs> but anyway, coach, you'd our, our favorite. I was gonna, not our biggest fan, but we are her biggest fan. Coach Lawrence Nicola. 
Woo! As the Oregon State women's soccer team at not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six and oh to start the season. Six of them. MJ voice, six of them. The women's soccer team is rolling a very, very productive road trip out in Connecticut. They beat Yale and Central Connecticut State. 6-0 start. Shouts to McKenna Martinez and Amber Jackson, who are tied for the lead with four goals apiece. And uh, the goalkeeper, Bridget Skiba. I've got a soft spot in my heart for goalkeepers. I, everyone, you know, that's, you know, the, the position when you run a pickup soccer game, like no one wants to be the keeper. I think it's the most fun position. Love, love keepers. And, you know, she's given up two goal, goals all season uh, herself. Uh, big, big part of the 6-0 and start. So, we're going to go to a game at some point. We're going to get coach Nicola on the pod. Uh, Please. We're a golf podcast. We're an Andre Nicotina podcast. We're a beer podcast and we're an Oregon state women's soccer podcast. Uh, and now we're a, a like an unsolved mysteries podcast. Apparently. <laughs> we, we have 78 teams and uh, we're only adding more, but yeah, exciting stuff. Y'all. Can you ask for a better start? I think we've said that it's like four weeks in a row, but they, they play at home the day before the Idaho game. I know JP, you said you're going to drive down the morning of, we might want to reconsider that. We, we, Ooh. I said, we might. <laughs> you can't That's spell like a commitment. It might be. You can't spell Chopham without hope, but you can spell it with me. So we'll see if I'm more about the we than the me that week. But there might there might need to be some rerouting and uh, you know reconfiguring of that weekend's activities. Uh, they played the North Dakota Fighting Hawks at Paul Lorenz Field uh, Friday night uh, before before that football or Friday like late afternoon. I think it's a 4 p.m. start. Uh, but yeah, get out there if you're a student. You've been going to games. Good on you. Get your friends to keep going to games. They're rolling. Uh, the men's team took their first L uh, 1-0 heartbreaker to Grand Canyon, uh, which came on a penalty shot. So the men's team is still only given up one goal from the run of play all year. And they came in at number 14 in the latest coaches rankings, which came out after that, that loss to Grand Canyon. So they're in a good spot. Uh, Tyrone Mondi is balling. Uh, you know, Sofian Jafal is balling. Uh, Adrian Fernandez is playing really well in goal for the men's side. So Get out to these games. I think it you yeah. can get in either for free or for like the cost of half a Dutch Brothers. Uh, so get in there and you know support support these teams that are playing super fucking well right now. And I think the why bottom, isn't the women's team ranked? They might be. I didn't I didn't see them. To, the men's Ooh. team tweeted out their spot in the rankings, and I looked at the women's team's uh, Twitter account, and they ha they hadn't uh, tweeted anything about them being being ranked anywhere. So. I'm assuming they would have if they were, but maybe they're just being subtle. And, you know, I, I clearly didn't do enough deep dive research into this episode before this episode, like you did. But, you know, the, the only matter, the only number that truly matters is that number in the last column. And right now that's zero for the, for the women's team. So they're, they're flying high and they're going to be getting a proper respect from all the haters before the season is over. Oregon State's women's team is number 27 in the country right now. They're in the receiving votes uh, Ooh, section for the top 25. But okay. that's, that's whatever. That's the, that came out September 5th. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and I should probably, I should probably, not to change the subject, I should also um, clarify that Paul Risser is dead. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe he went to the grave with some secrets about Bernice. Yeah, it doesn't stop the investigation. Was it in his will to be buried as Bernice? <laughs> so that. <laughs> 
his biggest secret. Was there an open casket at Paul Risser's funeral? Ooh, these, are the, these, are the, these are the questions that we will be asking on the newest, weirdest true crime podcast in the <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's great. Um, we when we were talking about Purdue, um, I meant to take give a shout out to Keontae Shad, uh, our defensive tackle transfer from Minnesota. So there's you know that connection. Oh, yeah. But uh, Carter Baines on the Dan podcast reported that he was playing through you know some minor injuries, but played played pretty well with despite being not being 100. percent And we were sitting uh, amongst a, a bunch of his uh, family members, and I got a chance to chat with uh, a few of them very briefly. And uh, they were I didn't awesome. know that. Um, yeah, they had some pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> you were there. Stuff. No, you were. I did. <laughs> I never heard Terry talking think, to them. I think you were in the. You were. You were. You were in the beer line. You were in one of the shorter lines, but still getting really brats. Either getting brats or finding the bathroom. Was his family or, the one with the the guy with the dog? The guy with the not that I know of. Some guy brought a dog. <laughs> there was to a the guy. Stadium. There was a guy with a dog. That's cool. Yeah, and there's also another person with like a two week old. It wow. was like a baby right. that just came from the hospital. Right. So, wow. was, so it was like, yeah. I was Got like, I don't, don't want to scare this puppy or the baby. So I'm, I was on my best behavior the entire time. It was, it was really funny though. Cause there was one guy that was like, dude, what are you doing? Bringing a dog to a game. He's like, what's the fuck are you asking me for? That person has a baby. He just brought from the hospital. Right. It was just born. <laughs> service animal as long as if it, the dog can handle crowd noise or, or anything and it's you know it wasn't pooping it wasn't pooping it wasn't pooping it looked chill okay yeah it was just chilling in the dude's arm the whole time so yeah you know, if that's if that's your if that's your service animal then yeah dog hell yeah we're not discriminatory dog. against dogs he was funny dog. too yeah that, that dude was really funny i think yeah. he would have been funny without holding a dog <laughs> yeah you know, it's something you don't see at a football game uh every day but also right. we're out of practice um, maybe this was, was always normal and i just didn't go to a football game in two years and forgot this part of the people holding dogs but hey speaking of football games before we head out final predictions for saturday terry go I might not be able to watch this live. Actually, I'll be at a at Kyle Ratke's wedding, but it's so it's a 10 p.m. start, and I'm hoping to come back from the wedding and getting to see a very relaxing uh, second half. I think we're gonna go to bed happy. I think we're gonna wake up happy, and then I will wake. I'll be very angry by mid afternoon after the Vikings lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in their opener. But this is an Oregon State podcast. Uh, Beavers win 37-14. Oof. Are you? Are you going to sleep during the game? No. Oh, but I might, I might still be. It's, I don't think this wedding reception is ending before 10 PM. And that's when the game starts for me. Got it. I'll be out. And maybe this venue has a TV with FS one on it. (laughs) Use your phone. I will text him the day. I'll be like, Hey man, I know it's your wedding. You're probably dealing with a lot of shit. Uh, You think we could get the Oregon state game on (laughs) a projector? Yeah. Well, right. we'll put on the dance floor. We'll, we'll figure oh that would be sick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm so no, I'm not going to sleep, but I will record it and watch it back uh again just so that I can see all of the action from the home opener at Research Stadium. But yeah, my prediction is Beavs win 37-14. I have no idea who starts a quarterback, and I'm not gonna predict who. Mm. Benny, go. Uh I think the Beavs win 31 uh to 17. I think it's, oh. uh, yeah, it, I think the Beavs come away with this. If the Beavs don't win this game, we're in trouble. And I don't think we're there yet. So I think the Beavs come away with the win. It's probably not as comfortable as what I thought maybe last week. Um, 
but my my hope my hope for the game is that our quarterback play looks good. There you go. Such yeah. a low bar. And if the beeves don't win, then we just officially convert to a true crime podcast that has no affiliation <laughs> to Oregon State University. We just bec- we become my second favorite murder or serial two, some shit like that. Uh, that there's already a million of. Uh, yeah. If the beeves if the beeves lose this one, I think uh, some decisions will be made on the Bebe's front. I'm kidding. We're not going to disband after two losses. We're fucking no. Oregon State fans. We all we all of us pseudo expected this if we're being real <laughs> all right jay we're not losing we're winning 17 10 that's it one and uh, one done did did you guys not to interrupt your prediction but did you guys see the scores of the 96 season in that 1997 um uh the media guide the media guide <laughs> yeah but the score but so they have the they have the results of the 1996 season can i just read how we opened up Yes. Uh, okay. We lost at home to Montana, thirty-five to fourteen. Oh, you feel feel familiar? Yeah. Hus- Husky friends. See, and and we're still here. Then we lost to USC, seventeen to forty-six. Lost to Baylor, forty-two to ten. We had an OT loss to California, and then lost to Washington State, three to twenty-four. Like it was. If you think this year's bad, go back to ninety-six. Hey, hey. It was terrible. But that team beat Stanford 26 to 12. And we're trying to end a pretty frustrating Stanford curse this year. That's true. And then we beat, (laughs) we had Northern Illinois scheduled before the game against Oregon and we won 67 28, but then have lost to Oregon 13 to 49. So at what point? Oh, that, okay. So that was, that was the, that was when the, uh, that was the last year of the, of an away team winning what was then called the civil war. Cause Oregon won at Reeser that year. And then Oregon won in 97 when it was in Eugene. And then the alternating pattern that lasted until 2008 started. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Dude, you can, <laughs> the enrollment at Oregon state was only 15,000 at that time too. Right. It is That's not 15,000 anymore. No. <laughs> um, I will shout out to Anoka Brechterfield, who's on the cover of this media guide as well. Anoka Brechterfield was a beast. Would have been remembered better if he had been on better teams. But Tim Alexander, too. Shout out to Tim Alexander. He was my favorite Beaver growing up. Nice. All right, y'all. It is. We are over time here, but that's okay. Uh, we've got Hawaii at home Saturday, 8 p.m., local time uh 10 p.m for you know my drunk ass who will probably be dancing at a wedding but i'll you know i'll sit in the bathroom and watch it on my phone and and cry like the good beaver believer that i am uh thank you guys uh for being here um thanks shout out again to you know uh eric and johnny and zach and everyone we met in west lafayette travis thank you again um it was a good time this is good to be at a away game wasn't the result we wanted but hey that happens. Uh, we will be here again weekly all season. I know this is coming out to you on Thursday, September 9th. The intent is for this to be our last Thursday episode, and we're going to try to come to you on Tuesday every week. We're going we're going bowling, y'all. We're going bowling. Let's cheer for a beaver victory this Saturday. Uh, let's, you know, drink some beers together, and let's have fun. Uh, if you're in Corvallis and going to the game, have a great time. Go Beavs, be safe. Uh, 
Thank you so much for everyone who's ordered Bebe's merch. There's way more, or I say this every week, but I'm overwhelmed that people are ordering this stuff. Please, please, please rate and review. If you could give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, that helps us grow the show a lot. Uh, we're doing this all ourselves. So any, any help that we can get is very much appreciated. And share the show with a friend uh, and hug a Husky fan in your life. If you know anyone who went to UW, cheers for UW. Give them a hug. Oh, also, uh, go Buckeyes. And go Buckeyes. Yeah. O-H. <laughs> and we'll get out of here on that. Again, my name is Terry Horseman, and I have been joined by my dear friends, J.P. Bertram and Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Wehage, for this, another great episode of the Bays, the Belligerent Beeves podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you all again next week, and uh, maybe we'll all be together again at the Idaho game. I don't know, but what I do know is you can't spell chop them without hope. Chop them. Chop them. Chop them. <laughs>